turn to John chapter 15, starting from verse 9. John 15, starting from verse 9. Uh, the topic for today is gospel-transformed friendship. And I know it's a bit of a surprise. Uh, Chris, last week, one of our deacons, he was speaking on uh, gospel and dating. Uh, hoping to come there for that because he's not here. He got called out on a flight last minute, so we've had to sort of change things up a bit. But he'll be back next week to finish up that topic on, on dating. Uh, so this week, we're going to talk about gospel-transformed friendship. And we've been talking about how our relationship with God transforms how we relate to one another. And we've talked about that as, as us, as a single person, relating to different people in our lives. And uh, for those of us who are married, relating to our spouses, and for those of us who are dating, how do we approach this dating relationship or seeking a dating relationship in a way that honors, honors God, that would show who God is? And today we're going to talk about how do our friendships, how do they point people to God? So before we go into that, let's, let's just read God's word together. Uh, John 15, starting from verse 9, says this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide." so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So as we get into understanding this passage, I just want us to reflect on a couple of questions. The first question is, who are the friends in your life? Top of your head, mentally, who, who are those whom you consider your friend? Think of, think of some names, think of some faces. Second, you know, why are they your friend? Who, who, who are your friends in your life, and why are they your friend? Another question I want you to think about is, what does it take for someone to become your friend? What does it take for someone to become your friend? How would you categorize between an acquaintance, someone you know, and a friend, and maybe a close friend, and a best friend? Like, what it would it take for somebody to move from being an acquaintance to your friend, and then from you know, being just your friend to like your best friend or your close friend? How would you decide that? How does that happen in your life? In fact, we should probably ask another question, like, what does it even mean to be a friend with somebody? Because, you know, a dog is man's best friend. But that's probably different when you, than when you say, you know, this person's my friend. So there's a lot of ways of, you know, talking about friendship. And a lot of different ways to approach friendship. And when we talk, and we're talking about just the general topic of friendship, there, there's a couple of approaches that people have generally. And, and the, the what of it is, you know, it, it's an equal giving and, and receiving of benefits, right? 
someone can help you, you can help the other person, and you both benefit from it, and, and some, some sort of friendship forms. It, it, it's very specific, it's calculated, it's conditional, it's exclusive. Um, you know, we, we tend to know, you know who we want our friends to be and who we don't, and we sort of have sort of things in the back of our mind that would make us more open to others to, to become their friend or to really be closed off to others, to not really decide to be their friend or even give them a chance to be our friend. And when it talks about the who, uh, many times friends are, are people who are just like you, you know, same interests, background, vocation, you know, those who have grown up with you, who have similar experiences and values. You know, we talk about childhood friends. You know, friends are those whom you have common interests with, uh, where you can share the enjoyment of something. So we have things like hiking friends, jogging friends, gaming friends, cooking friends, you know, just friends that you share something together that you both enjoy. And sometimes you become friends with one another because it's, it's a mutual benefit. Uh, so you may not have anything in common. You may be very different, but you can benefit one another. Uh, so you may have like, some class friends when you were in school. You would become friends so you could help one another you know, pass the course or share notes or share answers to tests. And you're, they're your class friends. You didn't see them again afterwards, but you know, they were your friends for that season in life. So friends are those like you, and there's an equal amount of sharing, giving, taking, receiving. That's friendship. And the question is, how does faith in Jesus change our approach to friendship? How does faith in Jesus change our approach to friendship? And, and the main point for today answers that question. It's this. Jesus' friendship transforms believers to extend God's love through friendship to all. If we can get the PowerPoint up, that'd be great. Jesus' friendship transforms believers to extend God's love through friendship to all. See, God came to restore relationship with people through Jesus. And one aspect of this restored relationship with God is that we are made his friends. And Jesus' approach to friendship is so different than our sinful approach. It's a friendship based on his perfect love. And as believers grow in understanding the friendship that we have with God, we extend that same type of friendship to others. No, your approach to friendship is an indication of your faith. No, who you cho choose to make your friends, why you choose your friends, and the reasons why you decide to continue that friendship, to pursue that friendship, reveals your heart towards God. No, the gospel completely changes our approach to friendship, and our passage today shows us how and why. So this morning, we're going to try something a little different. We're going to take more time to look at the passage and see what it says in detail. And one of the values of EEC is that God's word is preached truthfully and obeyed. And as a pastor, one of my responsibilities is, to the best of my ability, help you to understand God's word and to find ways to do that, to teach you uh, to, to see what God's word is saying for yourself because you can't trust what somebody says here. You can't trust what I say. I, I'm going to let you down. I'm not perfect. I'm going to do things. I'm going to say things that might cause you to question, you know, the integrity of my ability to, you know, say things that are true, and that's because I'm sinful. So the only thing we can rely on as a church is what God's Word says, and to the degree that we're convinced that something is from the Bible is the same degree that we can put our trust in it and seek to obey and encourage each other to obey it. And my job is to help us all in each of our different backgrounds to do that better. 
So I'm always you know, thinking and listening to feedback. You know, as a counselor, we're always thinking about different ways to help everyone, the whole congregation, every single person who's coming from different backgrounds understand his word. So we're going to try a different style, which is really beneficial for helping us to see and analyze the Bible for ourselves. And, and it's something that you know, I'm going to continue to try and readjust, and, and hopefully it will help us as a whole uh, church community understand God's word better. So I'm going to start by just giving us an overview of the passage. All right, so this passage is divided into three sections. All right, so there's verses 9 to 12 in the red bracket. There's verses 13 to 16 in the blue bracket. And there's verses 17 to 18 in the green bracket. And the reason why they're in these three sections is because there are key themes in each section that are all interrelated. And these key themes are seen in the repeated words that we see in each section. So abide in love, friends, fruit. So, you know, the first section is all about love and relationship with God. The second section in blue is about relationship as Jesus' friends. And the last section is the result of friendship with Jesus, the, the fruit. And, and these things are all interconnected. There are many things that connect them together, and we're going to slowly break down each section to help us to see where we get our main point from. First section in red. The first thing we see is that right relationship with God means loving like he does. And the, the key command here is abide in my love. Uh, some of your translations might say remain. It's, it's, it's this idea, okay, the, the idea of, of staying in love, you know, staying in relationship with God, returning his love. He, he, he loves us and we love him back and we abide. We stay in relationship. We stay in love with God. And this abiding in love, this abiding in love requires that we keep his commandments, right? Abide in my love. How do we do that? Well, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. The next question is, well, what does it mean to keep my commandments? What does it mean to abide in love? Well, Jesus continues. He explains himself. It means loving one another as I have loved you. So you see, what's the commandment? Well, this is my commandment over here. Love one another as I have loved you. That is how you abide in my love. And so we see this pattern in this first section of Scripture, this, this circle of circle of love, circle of love. <laughs> abide in my love. God has, has loved us, and we're to abide in that love, and we do that by keeping his commandments. And as we do that, we love one another, and by as we love one another, well, that's how we abide in his love. That's how we continue our relationship with God the first thing we see in this passage. Second th thing we see in this passage is that God is a source of love in our relationships. God is a source of love in relationships. See, God, the Father, the Father has loved me. That's talk, that's, this is Jesus talking, so the me is Jesus. The Father has loved me. He passes his love on to Jesus, and Jesus passes that love to his disciples. Right, Me, I, because the Father has loved me, Jesus, Jesus, I have loved you, talking about believers. 
And because of that, well, then you, that's disciples, we love one another, other disciples. And, and so we see this, this path of love, right? This path of love that starts from God the Father, goes to Jesus, from Jesus to us, and from Jesus, from us to each other, other people. So right relationship with God means loving believers like Jesus loves, and God is the source of love in our relationships. Now the next question is, okay, we need to love one another. What does it mean to love one another as Jesus loves? What does that actually mean? And that's what our second section from verses 13 to 16 talks about. What does it mean to love one another as Jesus loves? Well, Jesus continues. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And what kind of love are believers to have for each other? A love that's so great that it's willing to sacrifice its life for the sake of a friend. And, you know, the greatest love is defined by sacrificing life for a friend. No one can have a greater love than the love of a person that gives themselves up as a friend. And that brings us to ask, like, why is friendship used as the greatest example of love? You know, the nature of friendship is that it's completely willing and free. You know, th there is no duty or obligation in friendship, like in family and marriage. And that's what makes sacrifice in friendship so, so great and beautiful. It's because it's completely willing, completely free. You know, as friends, you don't have to, you can't say like, oh, you can't, there's really no like official commitment. It's this free relationship. And that's an aspect of who God is to us. And I was trying to think of an illustration of this, and the only illustration I could think of off the top of my head was, is from Avengers, so sorry if you haven't seen it. But in Avengers, also sorry if you haven't seen it because it's, it's a spoiler, uh, but the, you know, the, the truth is more important. Uh, so there's two characters, all right? There's Black Widow and there's, um, and there's Hawkeye, and they're, and they're friends. They're really good friends, and they come to a point uh, in, in their sort of uh, hero journey where they actually have to make a decision. One of them has to die. One of them has to die. And they're, and they're trying to fight one another to, to see who, who dies, essentially. One of them dies. I'm not going to tell you who. But one of them ends up giving their life for the other. A lot of reasons why, but it comes down to, like, they love this person as their friend. And what makes it so amazing is because it's not a romantic type of love, that at, but it's this friendship type of love that's beautiful in, in a different way. They're willing to give their life up for another you know, romantic relationships are exclusive, but friendships can multiply and grow. It's bad to have more than one spouse. You know, it's bad to be dating more than one person at a time. You know, but it's good to have more friends. See, marriage reflects God's love and exclusive commitment to, to us, but friendship reflects the aspect of God's love that seeks to grow and multiply and include more people into his love. Right, so, so the extent of love that we're called to have for one another is defined in sacrifice as friends. And Jesus is the one who demonstrates the greatest love for believers through his friendship with us. Right? He says, greatest love is laying down your life for his friends. Well, you are my friends. I have called you friends. This, this, is, this is who I am. This is who I am to you, is what Jesus is saying. 
Jesus has made his believers friends. We'll, we'll get back to that later. You know, Jesus is that first someone who demonstrates this greatest love of friendship. And he calls believers friends, and, and he shows what it means to be a friend through the cross. You know, this passage takes place right before Jesus is about to be arrested. And before giving us a practical demonstration of the greatest love, Jesus teaches us about it. Christ loved believers by willingly and freely sacrificing his life for them. You know, Jesus did not have to stay on the cross. The whole time from his arrest to death, Jesus could have called down a legion of angels and saved his life. Every second of the cross was free and willing. And Jesus willingly allowed his life to be taken from him till his dying friends for the sake of his friends. And not only did Jesus give his life to us in dying, Jesus gave his life to us in living. Jesus came to be the servant of all from the moment Jesus was born and the moment he was he entered into ministry. He was serving, serving people, serving people, serving people, giving his life, laying his life down for people. Jesus is the example of the greatest love of friendship. And Jesus extends friendship by sharing his heart and person with believers. He calls us friends. It's not just, his friendship isn't just expressed in a sacrificial life. Jesus makes us friends by, by sharing his person with us. I, I have called you friends for all that I heard from my father. For, why, why, how does he express his friendship to us here? All that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. And, and Jesus isn't just passing on words here. Jesus is communicating God's heart and desires. Jesus is sharing God's plan and the deepest longing of God, which are also his. Jesus is the embodiment of God the Father's heart and desire. And the beginning of John, sometimes when something's not clear, what does it mean to make known to us? Well, sometimes we need to look at the same book because the themes that are start at the beginning continue on in the middle. So when we look at the beginning of John, it helps us to understand this better. So John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now Jesus is God. He is the Word made flesh. He came to dwell among people. Jesus made God the Father known by sharing His whole life with people. You know, everything about Jesus reveals God the Father. His words, his actions, his belief, his teaching, every conversation that he had. And it's through coming, it's through dwelling among us that Jesus made God the Father known. See this more clearly in verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. No, Jesus is the only God who dwells at the Father's side. That means intimate relationship. There, there is no greater love in existence than the love between God himself. You know, Jesus is Father God's very heart, his only son. So we see this connection, only son, only God. At the side, from the, from the Father, at the side of the Father, it's talking about Jesus. And Jesus became God and Jesus made God known by becoming a person and living with people, this, this flesh and this dwelling among us. 
So when sending Jesus to become a man, God the Father gave his very heart to people. In living life with us, Jesus revealed God's heart to his disciples. You know, Jesus holds nothing back in revealing God. He wants them to know how he feels, what his plans are, what makes him sad, what, make, what makes him happy, what gives him joy, what he looks forward to. He shares that with us. And then going back to John 15, it tells us that Jesus making God known means that he has made us his friends. So we see this expansion Jesus is the only son. He's the only God. He has made him known. What is it, you know, he has made us known. What does that mean? Well, it means that he's called us his friends. The act of God becoming man in the gospel is an extension of friendship. God's act of friendship in Jesus shows us that first, gospel friendship is free and willing sacrifice of one's life. To be your friend means to freely and willingly sacrifice your life. And two, it means an open sharing of one's life and heart to another person. This is how Jesus extended his friendship to us, and this is the model that we are to follow in all of our friendships. And this is so important it's so important because, well, going back to our first section, we're commanded to love as Jesus loved. You know, in order to stay in right relationship with God, we need to love as he loved. We need to have this friendship, love for each other, for others in our lives. You know, does our approach to friendship reflect how Jesus has called us his friends? Because right relationship with God is defined in friendship. Right relationship with God is defined in friendship. See, there's, a, there's this connection, right? Keeping commands means to abide in his love. Keeping commands, right, means that we are his friends. So there, there's this connection here that to keep commands means to remain in right relationship, and that relationship is to be called a friend of Jesus. This, you know, abiding in love means being a friend with Jesus. Right relationship with God means to relate to Jesus as friends. And the next question we need to ask is, well, as friends, how should we respond to Jesus' friendship with us? That's what this next section talks about. How do we respond if you do what I command. But it's not obedience for the sake of obedience. It's obedience in a specific way, in a way a friend would want to do what another friend wants. And this is emphasized in the next line, right? No longer do I call you servants, but friends. You know, servants obey because they have to. Everything is done out of obligation. They know nothing of their master's heart or intentions, but that's not the right way to relate to God. We are no longer his servants. The right response to God is one that willingly does what he wants because they understand his heart and love him. 
In friendship, there is willingness to do what the other wants because friends understand one another's heart and God has let us understand what's in his heart. And so we want to do what he wants us to do. We want to do what he commands. And, and, and it's, so it's important to note that you know, your identity, it, the more you understand that you are a friend of Jesus, that's where your obedience comes from, from knowing that you are his friend. It's growing in this identity that enables you to follow the command, that enables you to be friends to others. And it's important to note that the pattern with, for friendship with Jesus here is that we are friends of Jesus, not that Jesus is our friend. You know, every time the Bible talks about being in a friend relationship with God, it's that someone is God's friend. Abraham is a friend of God, James 2.23. And this is because, why is, this, why is this the emphasis? I'm not saying that it doesn't work the other way around. I'm saying the emphasis on this is because the way believers are to relate to God as friend is by understanding his heart. There's this heart connection and responding to his will. You know, are you a friend of Jesus this morning? Because if you are a friend of Jesus, you will want to obey his commandment. You'll want to love others. you want to extend friendship to them. And that means sacrificing yourself for them. That means openly sharing your heart and life with them. To be Jesus' friend means that you make other people your friend simply because of Jesus. Jesus' friendship transforms believers to extend God's love and friendship to all. Now, before we think about what this means on a more practical level, we're not done yet. Uh, there's one other point about Jesus' friendship that we haven't looked at in our last section. And it's this. Jesus chose us to be his friends unconditionally. See, right after Jesus talks about making us, calling us his friends, the next thing he does is tell us the reason. The reason is that Jesus has chosen us. He, he's chosen us, not because of anything we did, no, we, we did not choose Jesus. He didn't choose us because we chose him or wanted him. He chose us because he chose us. That, that's, what the, that's what this text is saying. Jesus chose us because of who he is. He is the God of love, the source of love, who wants his love to spread and grow. And we see this pattern as he continues to talk. All right, so, so this is just, I'm just zooming in on this section here. All right. Choosing leads to a going. Choosing leads to a going, to, to action. What, what, what kind of going is this? We, we are to go, well, we're to go to people. Again, you need to look at the context of one whole book. You know, so in John 20, 21, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. That's within the book of John. And, and to make it clear, you look in the context of the Gospels, it says, go and make disciples of all nations. That this going is going to people. We've been chosen to be Jesus' friends, and we're to go and to, to bear fruit. What is this fruit? It's something that's growing in the people that we go to. And it's something that has to do with abiding. It has to do with abiding. Again, we've got to make those connections. What does it mean to abide? Well, it means to be in right relationship with God. See, abiding brings us back to this place of relationship with God, which is the main command of this whole section. Jesus chooses believers to be his friends in response 
they go to people and bear fruit. And what is produced out of people is a love for God as his friends. The people that we share friendship with, God uses that. God produces fruit in them so that they want to be his friends. You know, God isn't just a master that lords over them. God becomes their friend. They learn to abide in his love as well. So let me try to summarize all that we looked at. All right, big picture. All right. God's love extends through Jesus to believers. That's, that's the first thing. This is the first relationship. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And as believers respond and receive God's love, they extend it to others in obedience. So abiding first means to re- return God's love. So we see here there's this arrow where abiding means returning that love that God has shown us, and that's seen in keeping his commandments. His commandments is that we love as I have loved you. And in this whole section, we see this pattern. We see that the word commandment actually links this whole section together. Commandment, 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 commandment. So we have to ask a question. How, do, how, does, how does the rest of this link up? We see that it does abide, abide. Well, let's follow the arrows. All right. Keeping my commandments, loving one another. When we keep his commandments, we are his friends. We are his friends because he's chosen us, and he's chosen us to bear fruit. Bearing fruit means abiding, and abiding means relationship with God. Relationship with God. Jesus' choosing leads us to go bear fruit. God is a source of love. He extends his love and friendship. And when we understand this, we're transformed to extend God's love and friendship to all. Who are your friends this morning, and why are they your friends? Your approach to friendship reveals how much Jesus is a friend to you. You know, Jesus is this example of true friendship. He, he sacrificed himself completely and unequally when there was no benefit to him. He completely opened his heart and shared his life with us. He kept no secrets. He initiated friendship out of us, for us out of love for God, not because of who we were. And when we receive Jesus' friendship, it changes the reason why we make friends. We, 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 we want to make friends because of who Jesus is to us, not because of who the other person is to us. We are simply friends with the person because Jesus chose to be our friend. When we receive Jesus' friendship, it changes how we make friends. We pursue friendships that have no benefit to us. We are okay with being the friend who's always giving and reaching out to the other. We want to reach out to friends who have shown, not shown us the type of love that we want to have from a friend. No, gospel friendship is unequal. It always gives and sacrifices even when the other doesn't give back. And like how Jesus freely shared his heart with us, gospel friendship means that we open ourselves up in a way that would invite people, every single person in our life, to be our friend. You know, instead of picking and choosing who we might want to be friends and then being open to them, we are open to everyone in our life being a potential friend. And that's so opposite the friendship of the world. But here's the amazing truth behind this transformed approach to friendship. 
Jesus is the one that enables us to be true friends. You know, Jesus, he gave everything of himself, his whole life, his whole heart, all of his wisdom, all of his power through the Spirit. Because Jesus loved without limits, it makes, us po- it, makes it possible for us to live a life of friendship. You know, Jesus is a friend who constantly gives and sacrifices unfairly. So you can risk, you can risk being a friend with somebody who's not going to return that friendship to you in the way that you want. Because Jesus is giving more than enough back to you through his friendship with you. He's always sharing his heart. He's never going to close his heart to you. So when, even when other people close their hearts to you, it's okay because Jesus, he's always open. He's always sharing his heart. And his friendship is more than enough to make up for what we lose. You know, what a friend we have in Jesus. Lastly, friendship with Jesus motivates us. You know, when you seek to make gospel friends, you experience the friendship of Christ on a deeper level. See, the more you open your heart and freely reflect the friendship of Jesus to others, the more you grow in your friendship with Jesus. And that is such a joy, such a joy to have Jesus, not just as our king, but as our friend. And it's through showing this type of friendship that people come to know who he is. That's how we make disciples. You know, in, uh, when I was studying in seminary, there was a professor, a really old man, uh, very grouchy sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but there was something about his life that really, really spoke to me. Um, he worked with mentally ill people. He actually started a church for them. And in, during our classes, he would spend a long time talking about them. Talking about, yeah, this friend, and, you know, um, he's a little bit, you know, disabled. Like, he can't think um, like other people think or have this friend, you know, they're missing a couple of limbs and I have to help them around. He has his church, his whole church, his whole congregation was filled with people who are disabled and disadvantaged in different ways. And the way he talked about them, they were genuinely his friends. He genuinely loved them. And it, was, and it wasn't easy because the amount of sacrifice he had to give, but in just him sharing about his church and how God worked through decades, it just started off with him being friends with them. And as he was friends with these disabled people, they came to know Jesus. And I thought, this reflects Jesus. But Jesus was a friend of sinners and tax collectors. And that's who we want to be to others in our life. We want to extend that friendship in the gospel. Who are your friends with? Why are your friends with them? Are you allowing Jesus to transform that approach? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just come to you and we're just so in awe that you have called us friends. Lord, what, what a privilege. Thank you that we can know your heart, that you're so ready to open your heart to us, God. I just pray that we would see what a privilege this is, Lord, that we can go to you, that we can seek you out, and that as we do, not only do you hear what's on our hearts, but you share what's on your heart. And we get to be a part of that. I pray that each of us, Lord, would really grow in understanding what it means to be your friend. And I pray that as we do that, we're able to expand your friendship to one another, God, that we can be friends together in the gospel. And that as we do that, Lord, we can extend your friendship to those around us, Lord, to our friends, to our coworkers, to the people that we serve together, God. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.